I am Matt. I'm Melissa. And I'm Annie. And together we want to welcome you to Still Great Bob. If this is your first time joining us, together we are watching AMC's Mad Men, trying to answer the question, is it still great, Bob? This week we are discussing season four, episode one, Public Relations, written by Matthew Weiner and directed by Phil Abraham. This episode originally aired on July 25th, 2010. Hit movies at the box office that weekend included Inception at number one, which was number one last week. Salt opened at number two. And number three was Despicable Me, which dropped from second place last week. The number one song that week was California Girls by Katy Perry featuring Snoop Dogg. You can count on that not being sampled at any point within this episode. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm just sitting here thinking, wow, the Minions have been in in pop culture for a really weird long time of time. For a really long time. Yeah, and there's like 15 of those movies now. Like there's like three what? Despicable Me's and like three Minions or something like that. Like there's a lot. That's too much. Uh, the new firm has startup struggles and the Draper Francis family has their first Thanksgiving it is not awkward at all. No, not at all. Um, Why would it be? Because Henry's mom is mean. But is she wrong? I don't necessarily think she's wrong, but I do think that she is like straight up mean. There are ways. She is to, mean. <laughs> there are ways to get these points across without being like just simple. Passive aggressive. Aggressive, okay. aggressive. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't disagree, but like not to go all like Oedipus complex on <laughs> Henry Francis. Ooh. Um I, I wonder if Henry's mother was kind of like how Betty's mother was, because they do have more of a similar kind of class background and distinction there. And like mm -hmm. we did see how Betty was with Sally in this episode, so um Yeah. Yeah. Her saying like um the thing that I really didn't like was like at the table in front of everybody being like this is what's wrong with America two different Thanksgivings yeah. I'm like no it's your judgment which is the actual problem but whatever anyway um I mean yeah there weren't a lot of um people being correct being like the good side on that dinner <laughs> yeah, um, but, um but her saying that like oh it's so obvious those kids are terrified of her i'm like you are correct and you should say it in private <laughs> yes on the one hand you have sally who is acting up child of divorce new dad like immediately uh and she's always been kind of a brat anyways at the same time she's a child who hasn't necessarily been given the best role model parented she's not parented well and i get <laughs> betty's frustration but again she's possibly also acting the way or reprimanding sally that way because she's embarrassed and not just because she's frustrated yeah um so we think that sally um was misbehaving and wasn't actually sick <laughs> at this Thanksgiving. Yeah. I don't get the vibe that she's um she was sick. Like I didn't get any other signs from it. Plus she had she was trying to call her dad 
And she yeah. just had this like look of contentment when she was falling asleep in that bunk bed saying goodnight to him, to, to Don. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did, was that where you were leaning towards? I'm, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the whole Sally thing was kind of making me laugh because I'm like, oh, young Sally just cannot handle this dinner. And then I was thinking <laughs> about all those times I called her a psychopath or a sociopath, whatever I said about how Sally <laughs> was. Um, and then I'm like, yeah, I mean, she just, she didn't like this situation. She has no outlet for her feelings that she has been taught, you know, to be, have feelings in like a productive way. Uh, so she's like, yeah, I'm just going to spit out this food right here on the table. This is a, that, I mean, that's like, that's less concerning than some of the other stuff Sally's done, to be honest. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, but she knows, you know, embarrassment is like Betty's weakness. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, Henry was supposed to be her, you know, savior and everything and give her her little dream life, the one that she thought she was going to have with Don. But I think this is a really fun, well, fun. I think it's really interesting that we're like, guess what? It's not going to be perfect because Betty is still going to be Betty, which is something I think we've been complaining yeah. a little bit about that the men get. And I do like that Betty gets to be imperfect and cyclical now, too. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, I, it was it's like frustrating. So, so what you're saying, like Betty gets to be like Betty, which is not handling this situation well, which is great. That doesn't change the fact that when I'm watching it, I'm like, I love that Betty hasn't just turned into a new person, but I'm also like Betty, like get it together. <laughs> like um, what made me mad, like not made me mad or I guess what made me take note of this is when Don brings the kids home because Betty does say like nine o'clock Henry's like mm. I thought she said 10 I'm like oh nice try um <laughs> but she says like oh I've waited for you plenty of times and in my mind I'm like okay you have never learned anything in your life like yeah all those times you waited for Don it pissed you off so like why would you not strive to be better than that so you can have some high ground like She's childish. Like, she's still childish, even during all of this. She's, like, she's oh, petty, Betty. Betty. <clears throat> well, I she mean, is. all her life, she's had men and she's had the men in her life, like, treating her like a child. So I'm not say, excusing her for for saying, you know, she, she, she can act like a child because she's been treated like one. I get why she does. But also, she needs to be accountable and be a better her, if not better than done. You're both right period end of sentence space <laughs> space because we'll do it old school to like accentuate here so we'll do two spaces after the period in addition Paragraph to how break <laughs> in addition to how correct you both are um don's also being as petty in that situation as as betty is as well because earlier in the episode when he's meeting with who i assume is his, his lawyer and they're going over like mm -hmm. the agreements and you know that Dawn mm -hmm. in between our two seasons. So season three ended, you know, kind of at the end of the year in, in November 1963. Now we're pretty much a full year later. We're at Thanksgiving um, again, 1964, right? So basically a whole mm -hmm. year mm -hmm. has happened since we've last seen these characters. Betty was supposed to be out of the house last month. So Don can sell it because that still has his access. Henry has moved into the house and Don pushes back on the lawyer to say like, no, I don't want to start World War III. And then when Don is inconvenienced and 
you know, there Henry and, and Betty are like back and has to hang on his old house with the kids and shout out to Polly, the, the, uh, um, Polly, the dog for being there for that nice shot when they need the, someone in the family room. Um, that's when he's like, by the way, you need to get out. So they're also, and this is probably why they're divorced. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They bring out the worst in each other. And like that, as they go through this, this phase of their life, they are bringing that kind of pettiness and that childish competitiveness out to each other. But in addition yeah. to that, something I did really, really like about and would be interested to hear both your different thoughts on is the way Henry kind of reacts in that situation and kind of reacts to Betty in such a different way than like in contrast to or such a different way than than Don was, right? Um I and then also with Grandma Pauline and stuff like that too. In a lot of ways, Henry still supports Betty's agency, especially more than than Don ever did. But there also seems to be a different level of trust trust that allows him to kind of push back on Betty mm-hmm. when warranted. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem as willing to uh, play the games as Betty is, and like Don would get frustrated with Betty and then leave. But that was also part of the game that he was playing with her, wasn't it? The way he kind of isolated the different parts of himself and everything else so it's like don wouldn't play betty's game but he was still playing games whereas like henry isn't in it for whatever version of games that that they can find in my perspective so i'm confused about why henry wanted to marry betty in 13 seconds (laughs) because it's like this isn't gonna be a good time for you like it's gonna be this all the time and like unless betty grows and changes which like hopefully she does i'm sure that henry could find her a way better therapist but like for some of this episode there's some really cute moments <clears throat> between henry and betty you know i loved them getting down to it mm-hmm. in the car i was like okay what? henry i love it but it, <laughs> some of so much of this i was thinking like i feel like maybe i'm just projecting but i'm like i feel like you're over your head with this because when they're having this conversation about it's just like henry doesn't strike me as like the type of person that would be okay overstaying his welcome in another man's house that like when Betty gets so mad about Don suggesting they pay rent I'm like what the fuck are you talking about he financially supports you is this what you and Henry wanted your marriage to be Mm -hmm. financially supported by Don like that's so like the fact that she acts like Don's crazy I'm like okay Betty like Don's done some shit to you I get that and this is just exactly like who Betty is. But for her to be like so offended by the rent thing, I'm like, I'm confused. Mm-hmm. And for her to be like, Don doesn't decide. I'm like, well, I mean, he's financially doing everything. Like he's paying for you to live there in this like, it, it's just like so surprising to me that Henry would even live in Don's house, overstay the welcome, like all these things I've already said. Like Henry is a successful, productive, like working man who said that he would like take care of you and these kids and you all together agreed upon a move out date. So mm-hmm. Don's not just arbitrarily deciding like you guys made a choice and you and Henry did not hold up your end of the bargain. And so I'm like, I don't know. About, <laughs> I don't know about this marriage. I loved when Don was like, trust me, Henry, nobody thinks this is permanent. Yeah. <laughs> so spicy. Yeah. Um, it was a really good scene. Um, I do think, you know, just going back to petty, uh, petty, to Betty being super petty and everything that 
it, they're not logical good reasons for her to act that way. But I think like her being really upset and entitled um, about all the you know, about the rent thing, that kind of thing um, explains it. Um, and I think there's a lot of like, well, he definitely owes me for all the shit he's done to me of all time, which I don't completely disagree with, but also it's not the right way to be behaving. As for, for Henry, oh, Henry Francis, my, here's my ode to Henry Francis. I love him. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's obviously chemistry between the two of them, and I think because of where Betty was at the time when she met him, she was, like, in a place where she could be, like, her best version of herself when she was around Henry. But now she's seeing the worst version of her, or he's seeing the worst version of who she is. And a lot of that is around Don. Not saying mm -hmm. she doesn't have a worst version not involving Don. It's definitely there. And I think you're right. Henry is super over his head. I don't think he's really fully processed um, who she can be at her worst. And maybe he does mm -hmm. have his own savior complex too, but it's, it's definitely a different one than Don's because in a lot of ways Henry is a grown ass man as opposed to Don. He right. even stands up to his mom despite the fact that they are obviously close in a way where his mom feels very comfortable criticizing his wife, his new wife, uh, and how she behaves and treats the kids and what and how you know she's not good enough for him or something like that. But I I just I don't know if it's because I'm older now, but I love who Henry is as a person and his loyalty to to Betty. Because, I mean, Don has been disloyal to Betty in so many ways and mm -hmm. so many opportunities on every possible level, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And Henry, you know, I just like truly fell in love with him at that moment when they came in late. And yes, Betty did say nine o'clock, but Henry didn't immediately... Um, didn't immediately like discredit her or anything and you know when she's she says yes it's fine you know he he just wants a clarity does that mean to stay or go and when she says stay she's like all right i'm putting on my jacket i'm putting my hands on my hips i'm here to fight and i loved it <laughs> and he does disagree with betty and how he asked her too like yes, you, he checked yes, in like clarity. yeah that was that was good that was good it was so good and then afterwards it's it becomes clear he disagrees with Betty and he's like, look, you know, he's not wrong. And he says it in a way that's still that's not um, patronizing or paternalistic. And he waited till Don was gone before he said it. He presented a united front and like he clear. Mm, I kind of get when she, like her whole, you know, the kids have been through so many changes. Why make him go through another one so quickly? And obviously the, Sally's not handling it well. Think about so that I can before see... you decide on the move out date. Or pay rent. Like, it's so... Or pay rent. She's definitely not being super um, logical there. But Henry, separately, great. And I'm like, what about this whole, I don't want you to owe him anything? Like... Yeah. Anyways, I love Henry. Betty I, could do better. Great. He is great. I mean, she can do better on her about herself. <laughs> she. I don't ha see how she could do better husband-wise, because... Husband material. Ah, <laughs> uh, I love him. It was. A, I thought it was just such a great moment. And then later, when um, when they catch Sally on the phone call, and he's just like, "Well, this just threw like a bucket of water on everything." But at the same time, he's still like, "Let's have like a little grown up day tomorrow." 
in the car. Yeah. <laughs> um, my feelings got hurt a little bit when Don's like, where's the baby? And Betty's like, well, you weren't going to take him. And I'm like, okay, if that's the arrangement that you guys have come to, that's fine. But Don should still get to look at that child's face. <laughs> like, I, I mean, it's just petty, you know? We've mm-hmm. already talked about it. That's just one more thing that I was like, oh, come on. The, and the only other thing I thought was just a nice little bit of, of casting about the uh, the Thanksgiving dinner was when they're at the table and Henry's daughter, who was his date to um, Margaret's wedding last season, comes in with her beau. I don't know if it's her boyfriend or husband or whatever. Um, great casting, Mad Men, because it basically looks like young Henry. Like their face shapes are like really identical and just like, okay, cool. <laughs> We have we have some levels going on. There, nice nice little bit of casting. So nice. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, side note: I loved Bobby in that moment at the dinner table That's where he's so just good. like, "I love sweet potatoes." And it just cuts like just such a very good kid moment, right? Because it's like it's just like, yeah, whatever. My mom and my sister are fighting. That happens. I like sweet potatoes, and just the way it like cuts the tension and everybody laughs. It's just it's, it's the best. That was, that was a good moment. <laughs> It was so good. He's just like, I don't know what their problem is. I'll take them. <laughs> yeah, I'll eat homegirl sweet potatoes. Though I do rail against marshmallows in my sweet potatoes. I think they're an abomination. Don't at me. <laughs> now, are we talking about sweet potatoes as in, like, the white ones? Or, like, sweet potatoes as in yams, which are orange? That are actually yams. yams. I don't like white sweet potatoes. They do confuse me. Yeah, like them orange ones. I've only rewelcomed the purple ones back in my life, and those are also yams. Not to not to get into yam discourse, but like, yeah, we got sugarberry yams. We got a good old Pete and Peggy mess around. That joke is for you, new girl fans out there. <laughs> <laughs> At first, we only have one sugar ham. It's it's so funny just to think about how far we've come from episode one with Pete and Peggy, and now they're co-conspirators and. And it's like, I oh, like it, fun. and it's sweet, and I was watching the episode, and I'm like, I hate myself for how into this I am in this dynamic. Ugh. Yeah, I have another comment about Pete in this episode that I actually have written down in the Dawn section, but it's very relevant here, so I'm going to say it. Um, so the, Dawn and Pete have this like conversation after a meeting with the, the two-piece swimsuit meeting, actually, that didn't go very well. So Dawn's like, super grumpy, I think, about like the quality, uh, maybe, of like the meeting that they're getting and Mm -hmm. he's like get me in a room where i have a chance and he is like has such a good positive attitude and he's just like yeah it's fine like you have these other companies don't have shit on us we're the scrappy underdog you work here like all this nice stuff and i'm just like do you see do you see what just like a little faith in someone can do for a little shithead like pete Like, yeah, they believed in him. They brought him into this company. They were like, you're the one we did not call Ken Cosgrove or his haircut. And like, here Pete is being just like number one, good attitude, good time guy. And not like a creepy good time guy. Like literally they're all having a good time together. And it's just like really nice. Okay, Pete, I guess season four is like Pete time. (laughs) Maybe. Like when Pete is showing you up on the emotional growth. That's when you know things are dire for you. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, no, and that's I actually like this to like make a little bit more of like kind of a, a general comment just because we are starting, you know, a new season and I'm on the record as season four having been my my personal favorite previously. So I'm excited to kind of rewatch it and uh, kind of continue with that suss out if that is still still the case. But like, I do think. You know, like we as humans, we go through like what I like to call like seasons or lots of people call um, seasons in our lives, right? Where we have seasons of of growth and yeah, progress isn't linear. And like we were talking about with that great email last episode, how people can't change and the stops and starts and, you know, different, different things like that. But there's, this is really, I think one of those seasons of, of kind of change and transition for a lot of our characters. Mm -hmm. And we've already seen that a lot kind of over this this episode so i'm just i'm really excited to to get back into it and kind of i mean i would say see where things go reevaluate how i feel about where things go because I've, I've seen it before and i'm really excited to, to start season four and work through it with with both of you and hear your thoughts annie and your thoughts melissa and just how we how we feel about it and and, and like suss it out i'm i mean tldr i'm excited for season four <laughs> i'm excited we're here same yeah there's uh well what do i want to say that's actually useful Nothing. I got nothing. I am looking mm. forward to all this change because it feels because I mean, we always tend to do a pretty good time jump between the seasons. And it's almost disappointing between season three and four when they're like, oh, scrappy startup working out of a hotel. And then you walk into this beautiful office that looks very similar to old Sterling Cooper, but with better lighting, not as big. It's so much so mod. I, I, I want to so see. We've reached the mid sixties, pretty much. Yes. So I want to see all the things. I I love the struggles and everything that they all have to go through to make I up for the loved... fact that their office is super nice. Yeah, I loved the walk through. Um, when you first see that they like have an office, I was like so excited to see like Sterling Cooper, um, like Sterling Draper Cooper, Price, Draper on Price. The wall or whatever. Like it was just it was really exciting and to see everybody working, to see Joan there, like even um even Bert Cooper's out here doing stuff. He's like, get back to work. They've got their little gang walking through the hallways. Like it was really exciting. Um I did go through this like <laughs> like little mental roller coaster where I was like, wait, how can they have Sterling Cooper in their name like that? Like there already is a Sterling Cooper. And I'm like, oh no, they got sold to McCann. I'm like, how do we know for sure they were going to change their name? I just feel like there's a lot more logistics to starting a company with the same name as an old company that you got mysteriously fired from than like what we have seen in the show. <laughs> and that's mm -hmm. okay. But I got stuck thinking on it for a while because I'm like, what if the sale fell through? Now there's just two Sterling Coopers out there and one of them is Sterling Cooper <laughs> Draper Price. Like, <laughs> yes yeah it's so it's just sort of interesting and 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 fun all the all the new things we have to look forward to this season like um like matt said and some new faces uh including do we ever get matt long's character name joey, is his I name think? troy okay <laughs> no i'm pretty sure it's no. joey i'm pretty sure it's joey well somebody google it because i can't because if i google it it'll probably be like Troy, Joey's madman death scene. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, Joey Baird. He's the the freelance um, artist. So he's he's mm -hmm. a freelancer oh. working some days at Sterling Cooper. That's why when they think they lose Sugarberry, oh, he asks two days. He asks if he's down to, to two days. So, yeah, he's a freelance artist. Mm -hmm. Also, he, very good outfit along cute. with um, 
Yes, with Peggy's uh, <laughs> mustard top. Yes. So every, when I saw him, he's one of those people who was kind of like creeping up at the time into things. I think he had a TV. He was starring in a TV show on the CW that ended. Um, and I was like, is this one of those gotta watch guys? And then I never saw him again. But when I saw his face, I'm like, that guy. That gotta watch guy. Nice face. Didn't need to watch. <laughs> oh, um, that's right. He was in Jack and Bobby on the W. Yes, yeah. that was it. Good old WB. Um, Him yeah. and Peggy are being like so, like they're just having such like a silly time at work. I love it. I love the vibing. Masha. I love the way that they are. They're having like conversations with those with those names they're doing. And I just it's it's like a really good way to show that like yeah we're getting thrown in here, but like these people mm-hmm. are like very settled in these relationships mm-hmm. and like at this office it shows well, that they've like yeah. been at it that peggy's like super so comfortable like, yeah yeah that's how i was like i don't even know his name i'm just gonna call him john in my head i guess he says it he's like marsha it's she's joey like, that's not nice i'm serious when he's like trying to <laughs> oh yeah when he was joking about, about don yeah she doesn't want being alone. Them to be mean about don I really like that moment for yeah. for Peggy. I don't know if Don deserves it, but I really like that moment that she's so again loyal. There's a lot of loyalty that that is trying to present itself or manifest itself in this episode. Um yeah. Uh I feel like if you are a brand new scrappy startup, you should not have whores in your budget. I almost didn't even want to like say that out loud but um, pete when they're talking about doing their stunt pete's like oh i can put them on my expense account if i say they're whores i'm like what oops like this is just that sounds about right not I great bet you roger wrote that <laughs> roger definitely wrote that i yeah and i i assume it's for the clients and not for them but at the same time it's ugh. shady yeah i mean anyways the general vibe seems to be a lot of excitement i guess and promise and maybe speaking as someone who works in a basement level department and occasionally gets to go above ground and see out windows are all the windows and lighting helping probably even though cooper definitely wanted a cheaper uh establishment i wonder if the second floor has more or less windows Hmm. The second floor that doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. <laughs> the one that Harry wished they had so he could jump off it. That cracked me up. Oh, and his sunburn I'm too. I'm just going to put a little asterisk on that whole moment, but for <laughs> completely vague reasons that I won't tell Melissa. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. Okay. It's not necessarily a bad thing or a good thing. That's all I'll say. Okay. 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 Moving on. Just um, just me trying to remember things. <laughs> but yes, um, how do you, what do you guys think about how things are working at Sterling Cooper, Draper Price as a whole? Before we get into like Dawn specifically. I mean, it sounds like they're having like maybe a hard time finding their footing with like new clients, but <clears throat> it also seems like that might just be on don's like personal life you know because it's like they're don is just like a little uh, unmoored i think right now because at one point i think it's bert that's like your job is turning 
your creativity advertise your creative work into dollars get it together and it's like i feel like at one oh, point he actually God says would have had to have known that no my favorite part about that line is that bert actually says and you failed yeah he and bert's did one fail of, and bert's one of the only characters that like i think really has the gravitas to don where like don mm-hmm. is going to care about hearing that like like it's gonna it's going to be impactful for him and like that's something that he can't really that's feedback that he can't run from right Mm -hmm. and like and i think Mm -hmm. we see Mm -hmm. where don does some classic donning (laughs) when don donning um when he does some classic donning is like when he directs sorting through his shit and that feedback and processes it by kind of like either lashing out at betty like we talked about or even kind of giving it to peggy a little bit but what made me like fist pump about it when they're when with all the stuff with peggy is peggy gives it right back to him and like is in a position Mm -hmm. to like we are i think talking about with pete and kind of you know when you give someone that that kind of feedback and they're in like a you know that kind of validated place and it's like peggy knows don more than i think better than like a lot of people on the show and like in the past we would have seen the episode would have been about peggy processing through what don said to her which is really don like misdirecting his own shit onto her where she's like no 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 Mm -hmm. don't say that to me like you know and like kind of pushes it back on him and like it's like no 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 no. i'm good at my job i know what i'm doing you know that's that's not about me you were you failed not me sort of thing and i was like you go girl that was like yeah that was a great moment too our image is exactly where you left it yeah that's what she says yeah 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 Yeah. which is it that reminds me of when don goes back to his i guess we're talking about don now that reminds me of when he went back to his apartment and the housekeeper celia is there and he has the audacity to say Put things back where you found them. And she mutters to herself, I didn't want to leave it in the middle of the floor. He's a mess. And he's still just expecting everyone to, like, pick up his mess, but also don't touch his shit. I don't know, Don. What do you want? But thankfully, he still allows, he still has people in his life like Bert, like Peggy. Even, Even Pete, who, again, has shown some growth and seems to almost be managing Don. Don, who's supposed to be the leader, the one that Peggy says that they're all there for and they all want his approval. He's the one, like everyone, everyone, even the the two-piece suit people, they're like, hi, everyone. Hi, Don. Don, what do you want from us? But he's the one who's just like, he's the loose cannon that has to be, he's the, you know, the box of kittens you got to herd. And he has responsibilities (laughs) now that I think, like in the work context, that he's never really had before. Because, like, now, like, I've been thinking a lot about, like, characters as, like, builders. Because as as listeners may or may not know, Elise, who you've heard on this podcast with us a couple times, and I have have started a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. And a lot of what that show does in its first season is, is contrasting its new lead character, with Patrick Stewart's character on Star Trek The Next Generation, the, the show in which Deep Space Nine is like a spin-off off of, right? And the lead character in Deep Space Nine is very much a builder, and the way that that is contrasted with Patrick Stewart's kind of explorer character, right? But 
Don, to this point in work context, has been the guy with no contract for a lot of it. He's been mm. the creative. He's been the the conductor of what he feels makes advertising most successful. The artist, right? The creative. And now his art is he he has to be reined reined in in some ways where it's like he can't just free will it's like there has to be more intentionality and a purpose they are building a business right Mm -hmm. and so it's it's interesting to see don at this point where his marriage has been a failure they're divorced right so then that's been a lot of things in the last three seasons was was getting to that point now they've started up this new business and a year in a year later and this is where it's like i would have liked to see some of the stuff in between but it's kind of interesting that we flash forward a year because we're in a place now where some of the details are settled and now it's like because i know when you're going through seasons of transition sometimes you just got to keep your head down focus on asking joan to find you a furnished apartment or you know Mm -hmm. what's the custody arrangement going to be with the kids like focusing on all those things so you don't have time or don't have the ability or don't have the capacity to deal or focus on like where you are emotionally as a success or a failure and whatever and now a year later some of those details have settled and it's about we can start the characters can start doing that introspection that we can then look at Mm -hmm. so like who is Don actually as a builder? Because we've never really seen him build anything. We've seen him get mm-hmm. to a certain point and then hit the hit the restart button, right? Yeah. I liked how the episode opens with who is Don, and I'm just like, wow, we're not even going to be subtle this time, are we? <laughs> <laughs> but it's so interesting because, like you said, there's such a time jump and people have been able to settle. And Don has built his own life from from very little but you have to imagine he had more control of, of self or direction or something. But now he's just kind of lashing out people like even like I hate to keep bringing up Pete's own growth or or Peggy, like you were talking about, Matt, how, Matt, how she's like in a place where she's just like not going to diminish herself just because Don shows some disapproval or lashes out at her. Everyone seems to be in a place to understand where they are and what they need to do. Don hasn't quite caught up with the rest of them. And I know he has things going on in his life, but, and I know the whole point is just like, look at this toxic man and how he's dealing with things poorly. But I just, (laughs) it's so hard to watch him sometimes because we have seen the story so many times. And in many ways, you know, I remember how lauded the character was, even at his worst, that he's this guy who is reacting to everyone very poorly and he's potentially hurting his own business and his friend his you know his partner's business because he's not able to deal with things he's throwing he's being sally at thanksgiving Uh uh-huh 100 percent. but sally's a little girl with bad parents (laughs) and they're and and it's not even just that he's not succeeding it's like they're are and like failing at the interview it's like they lose highlight much to Harry's chagrin because he just sold a special to ABC um, with Hailey. Like, like they you lose an account because of Don. It's not like they're not even just gaining mm-hmm. business. He's losing them business. Mm-hmm. He's a liability now. And when we were doing, you know, when he was doing the interview at the beginning, not only was he not, like, helping or not making an effort to try and, and hurting them, he just, he made 
it seemed like his being there was doing a favor to this guy. Like, he's just, I'm going to give you the answers just because it's true, but, like, I don't want to have to. It was very ambiguous and um, up to, like, I felt it was ambiguous on whether or not the interview actually liked him. I didn't get the most positive vibe. And when it came out, you're like, yeah, no, he was probably the hardest person ever to interview. And I don't blame this guy for not trying too hard to paint him in a great light. I fucking loved uh, that he called him Dorian Gray. (laughs) 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 Like, that is just so funny to me. Um, And, like, especially because when it, like, when he first, when they first start talking about it, they're like, Don Draper is a handsome cipher. I'm like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) You are bang on. Like, exactly. And that's what, that's, that's like what you can't be when you're trying to do this. I, it's unbelievable to me that Don didn't realize that this, this interview was supposed to be an advertisement for the firm. Like, you're an idiot. They shouldn't have had to spell this out for you beforehand, but whatever. Um, but I, I thought it was funny too that, he was like, well, they never asked, they never asked me about that. Did they not back check at all when they're like, they say you're married? I'm like, that reporter straight up talked to you about having a wife and kids and you did not correct him. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. When like, he said that, that, I was this confused. This guy's a bad like, reporter. You just like, were not participating. No. And it's super weird to me the end when he throws his little fit at the two at the two clients that he clearly didn't listen to and, you know, made assumptions about and then was mad when they weren't what he believes them to be in his head, even though they straight up told him. Um, it's it's so uncomfortable or, or, or fits. It's a very ill-fitting moment when he just goes and does that interview. Like, did you actually learn something about how you need to be able to sell yourself and put yourself out there? Put on the mask that everyone else is putting on um, for the good of the business, for the greater good. Um, or is this just you acting out again, but in a very like, I'll show them I know what I'm doing kind of way? Like, are you actually learning anything, Don? Or are you just being more you but in a different way <laughs> yeah um don like we know we know we know he knows how to sell himself he's been doing it for years yeah like at the beginning when th- it's like who is don draper and the question like has him like completely frozen because he's like i can't answer that like there's no way for him to be genuine and answer that question because who don draper is is like this dirty little secret um and then we see him at the end of the episode just having decided to treat this interview how he should have been it's, it's like so confusing to me that don wouldn't have just given his spiel to the reporter in the first place what do you care mm-hmm. if pe- like this is your your whole thing is like building upon this Don Draper persona so that you can have a successful life. Like it takes him this whole entire episode to realize that like that's what you're supposed to be doing. Like Don, buddy, like I <laughs> oh, he's struggling when the, the man whose whole career and success is based on selling things and selling himself to clients so he could sell her things, doesn't realize he's supposed to be selling himself. What, 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 what? Uh, yeah, it's... I know he's going through his emotional turmoil. Like, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> um, they like to demonstrate it, like they did with um, his little visitor Thanksgiving. Like, oh, suddenly, now he's the kind of guy who get, likes being slapped in the face because he's, he's so dark and pained inside. Honestly... 
I love it for you if you like getting smacked in the face. <laughs> but yes. It's not because if you're that traumatized. Is your thing. You know, like you can be perfectly well adjusted and still like to be smacked in the face. Like it, the, the connection is bad. Yeah. If anything, it should be a sign of like good, happy, consensual partnerships and all that. But one, Don isn't even asking for what he wants, too. It just seems it's sort of icky um, the way they seem to. And I know this was like 2009, 10, 10, 2010. And it's not something that was super in the discourse at the time, although 2010 was also, I believe. No, it was still two years before um, Fifty Shades of Grey hit the mainstream. Mm. Um, Which is also a bad depiction. Oh, God, such a bad depiction, which is a lot of um, where my what what's kind of informed my perspective on this scene has come from a lot of the discourse mm-hmm. that came out of that like just because this man is hurting right now doesn't mean that's why he suddenly is a kinky boy well and like yeah like it's not a great depiction of like impact play like that like because i mean and any kind of like kink like we and this is where like 50 shades of gray is like a poor depiction of it too and like i understand that like the movie is slightly better than the books, but like mm. we don't see the ne- negotiation before where it's like what the comfort levels, what are no goes, what are what folks are comfortable with before. And then like mm-hmm. I think in any kind of healthy like Dom Sub or like kink dynamic like that, like the aftercare is like crucial and like as important if not like more important depending on like the the folks involved so it's like we don't see mm-hmm. any of that and, like and we're obviously supposed to know that is it is her name darlene or is it what so let's look that up here. maybe candace not darlene candace so don has told roger he hasn't been a monk um and so it implies that like you know don has history and is is a regular um client of canvases so like maybe they, they've had that and he's like you know what i want and like all of that stuff it's just i don't know it's not a not a great depiction of kink or like rough sex and it's mm. it's yeah i don't know is, is it is it i do think it's kind of a decent depiction of kink if we knew if this was a part of don's life at any yeah. moment before he was traumatized by his marriage ending Mm -hmm. like i do get what you're saying that like they they're not showing any of the prep work or any of the aftercare but i think that like the scene itself is good and okay it's like hot because okay just compared to like the kiss with anna camp i was like jesus christ have we ever seen don have less chemistry with something like normally i'd be (laughs) like don can kiss that lamp and i'm into it but when he was like kissing anna camp's character i was like that's bad and then later in the scene when he's with um uh candace yeah yeah uh, when he's with Candace, I was like, okay, see, now that's that's the stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's the implication um, that Don is hurting on the inside, and that's why he wants to hurt on the outside. Not that this is ever, that, that those two are linked, and not just because, like, this is a thing he likes. Yeah, and, like, but I guess... The, it could hmm. be. It just, like, like, I think... So, like, in isolation, I did like that scene, and, like, we don't have to, like, go deep down on that. I just, like, I until I saw the show notes today, 
like full disclosure, I didn't draw a direct parallel between it being a personification of like Don wanting, you know, punishment or whatever, things like that in terms of like him being broken, just cause like you can, you can want and like have different interests and different things with like different partners. So like, I think mm -hmm. within, within the, just like an isolated context of like the episode, I think it's fair to say and imply that like, you know, the stuff that we didn't see about kind of the, the prep work and then, you know, some of the like aftercare and like whatever, um, I'm comfortable with just assuming and applying that's that's happened. I just, admittedly, I didn't have the read of tying it to Don's emotional state, and like, mm -hmm. and like I think I think that that's an interesting read and not one that I necessarily like like disagree with and I can get behind. It's just like, it's the only time we've seen. Well, no, it's not. It's the only time we've seen Don to date in more of that kind of submissive role. Because when there mm -hmm, has mm -hmm. been more rough sex or rough sex adjacent things, Don's been more dominant. So, like, is that anywhere you think you're, you're, where your read is kind of, like, coming from? I'm just curious if you can expand on how you arrive to the read that you're at. Because, like, in isolation, I... With, yeah no just expand on on that if you don't mind please yeah no I mean a lot of it is the fact that and I'm Melissa said it too I think it's because we we partly is because we've never seen him in that situation where it, he's always the one enacting and the aggressor um and even in a lot of ways it's very like he's the one still telling uh Candace to 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 hurt him he's still the one kind of dominating the situation in that situation, even though you've got the sex worker who's just like, whatever, I know this you want and I'll do it. But within the context of the individual episode itself, a lot of it seems, a, a lot of it read to me of like, this is where Don is and this is where he's kind of falling apart and losing control. And suddenly here's this thing that we've never seen him do before. So the read to me is that these two are, are linked. Mm -hmm. And I think... I find it problematic that Don falling apart on the inside and then we see him actually fall apart when he's throwing his fit with the swimsuit people. The problem is mm -hmm. that th those two things being linked and it's not just because Don is like expressing himself or asking for um, something sexually that he's wanted before and never been able to have. This is just him demanding it because it's reflective of his inner pain, you know, like with the Fifty Shades of Grey thing. The moment I think that the best example <laughs> out of that book for me of to, to explain that, like why those books are a problem was just like, oh, I like all this kinky stuff because my mother was a crack whore. Go to bed. Shh. And you're like, mm, just because people like certain things doesn't yeah. mean it's because they're broken inside. This is also that's the implication. So like I've had a bunch of conversations. Ooh, and I get to I'm going to plug my other podcast real quick. OK. Yeah. So I mean, I've done it. So. Yeah. I've had a bunch of conversations with um, 
all of our mutual friend Martha from the Martha and Colby Grow Up podcast um, about the depiction of kink in the beloved to me, she doesn't like it, the show Normal People on Hulu. And it's for these exact reasons. She feels like the depiction of, you know, the BDSM in that show is directly linking like emotional damage to the idea of wanting to be in like um, these like alternative sexual situations. And we have a conversation about that on Wild Pretty Things is uh, top TV of 2020 episode. Martha uh, guested with us for that show and I had that show on my top list. And so we had a conversation about that depiction and how it can be problematic to, you know, the BDSM community. Okay, um, quick editor's note. We actually lost some audio at the end of that conversation there, and this is actually a second recording session. So now that you are peering behind the curtain, we're going to go ahead and just jump back in with the rest of the episode and move on to a conversation about our Donald Draper and um, his date, Bethany, who looks like a baby Betty with her beautiful blonde updo and her beautiful outrageous for a date dress. And <laughs> yeah, here we go. Back into it. Oh, Betty Light, the beautiful Anna Camp, who's got such wonderful energy and presence. I could just watch her do anything, even though I 100% did not like whatever this character is to, to Don. No, it was just like really that their whole date was just like really interesting to me and that like Don doesn't really want to be there and then he asks her to stand up and do the twirl and just like something switches in his head where he's like no I'm going to be Don I'm going to turn myself uh, turn myself on has like different connotations <laughs> yeah that I definitely but like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to turn like the Don thing on I'm going to be charming and I'm going to be like engaged in this experience and like I'm just curious if we can like pause for a moment why why you both think like what changed for Don and why did he decide to turn into charming Don and then ruin it by being a little grabby in the car? Okay, so do we think that he ruined it or do we think that like charming Don definitely involves getting a kiss at the end of the night? Oh, you know what I mean? Because it kind of it, what I kind of took it as is like John's like John. Um, I don't know why I said that. John, uh, Marsha, <laughs> John. Um, Sorry, go ahead. Don is like, oh, I put in the work. And what happens when I put in the work is that I get to kiss pretty girls. Mm-hmm. Well, normally when he turns on that act, it's always with the right kind of person who's like primed for whatever the Don act yeah. is going to be. And while Anna Camp, I think, was slightly disarmed by him, whatever. Bethany, her name's Bethany. Sorry, Anna Camp is a fully capable human woman, I'm sure. Uh, Bethany, though, I think was also ready and prepared and knew what she was going into with Don, the divorced man, which went against her normal rules and that Jane was trying to to try to, I don't know, her pet project. Was that what what Bethany called her? Yeah. And as we're having this conversation, I'm having this new thought. Which mm-hmm. is exciting because we started this conversation a long time ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but do we think that Jane told Bethany about Don Draper? Like, he's a womanizer. Like, don't let him, you know, get exactly what he wants right off the bat. Like, do you... You know, because I could see that this is actually how Betty moves. Betty. I could see that this is actually how Bethany moves through the world, kind of with her guard up and making rules for every encounter, etc. 
but I could also see her being more firm about it because she was like forewarned, you know? Maybe. Well, and so she's like, oh, this is the type of guy who's used to womanizing. I bet he will be interested in me if I am extra hard to get. I mean, thinking about Jane, part of me thinks that if she did she hates warn her, friend. <laughs> I mean, there's also that. But it also could have been like, oh, I got my older married man by being like firm and letting him have just a oh. little bit. And this because, you know, this is what his yeah. wife is probably like or was yeah. like. So if you want to trap that man who's already like settled and stuff Ooh. and you don't have to invest early on you know this is the kind of guy he is and how you should deal with i don't know the if bethany is necessarily that girl to play that game but i think it at least would have warned her like this is who you're going to be dealing with have your boundaries mm-hmm. or or you know if you want to be swept away and end up married to an you older man who owns a get huge a company out of it yes <laughs> but i did respect her go ahead sorry oh totally i totally respected her no, and I, I just think too, like like the insight, the recent insight we have into kind of Jane's modus operandi was like her marriage advice to um, Margaret at the near the end of, of season three last season. Like, admittedly, like it's been a minute, so I don't remember it all like specifically. But like, I think, yeah, I think it would. I don't know if Jane would totally like clocked on to bethany like we have over the course of of this recording and this conversation yeah, fair enough but i think there there'd be some insight but like just just enough without like while still perpetuating patriarchy probably i don't know mm. it's a land of contrasts as as they say in every first year university paper ever it's a land of contrasts <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to say that Jane's not exactly spearheading the feminist movement, maybe thinking mm. she does as a privileged white woman who's with very little experience in life. Uh, but yeah, maybe, just maybe, Bethany's been paying attention. But speaking of privileged white women, I mean, Bethany isn't exactly exempt from that, too. I think, because there's that moment, uh, no, we'll talk about it later. Never mind. We'll go back to it. We put a pin in that because that's an important topic. I do like bethany though because she says things like you know she's very forthright and you know it's the swinging 60s and um what was it called again the words have escaped me but it was a time of more like free love and all that stuff was starting to come to play and and the pill was invented um and she says things like, you know, it may have been a while since you've had to pick up on messages, but I want to see you again. Or when she was trying to to <laughs> refuse Don and successfully did so, she says, you know, can you please take a week? No. Or when he asks to walk her to the door and she's like, I know that trick. Even though he like the way he positions his body like almost around her when she says good night and he's just like, yeah, good night. And like, ooh, predatory. Like, yeah, predatory. And like. it's like incredible to me like truly incredible to me how just not sexual this kiss is (laughs) like they do not have chemistry and honestly when i was watching it i was like this is actually very impressive that they have created a situation in which 
like Don is actually doing something that's like appropriate within the confines of his n- not marriage anymore. You know what I mean? What I'm trying to say is that I have watched Don cheat on his wife and been like, Hot. for three seasons <laughs> yeah and now that he is like a fully single man i'm like ew <laughs> those things <laughs> aren't exactly related um but it was like this kiss is like just negative chemistry but then i also recently remembered Don, uh, uh john ham's sex scene in bridesmaids so i was like oh it is possible <laughs> for him <laughs> Yeah, no, you have incredibly, two incredibly attractive, charismatic people who are capable of being with a person on screen. So do you think it's like a super intentional thing for them to be so lacking in chemistry? Um, I kind of hope so because it kind of, it kind of, um, um, like supports, um, Bethany's like not her case she gets she doesn't have to make a case to say no you know what I mean Mm -hmm. but like she told him that like this wasn't happening tonight and he like kind of pressed it and so she's she's like okay one kiss but like she's not into it Hmm. what's funny is go ahead go ahead sorry no go ahead no it's just um it's funny that when Roger tells Don about what Bethany said you know, he says that she was charmed by him, but just that he got a little grabby in the cab. And Don gives a smile that's like weirdly genuine, like he's really actually happy to hear that. I didn't know how to take that. Yeah. Or maybe he, yeah. I did, like, I think that Don's face is kind of cute, like in that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder if maybe it's just like a little bit of like, oh, she's but what talking does about it mean? me. Yeah. Still, <laughs> he's still got it. Yeah, I think that's what that was my read on that as well, right? And it's it, it's just like he can he being Don can um, turn it on and like play play the game of love again. He's still he's still got it, even though like it's not great, Bob. Um, and how he's kind of like you know pressuring and like has different conceptions of consent. Um, but yeah, no, that, that was, that was my read. And it's just like, I don't even know. I just, I'm still challenged. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, what, what switched for Don in that date with Bethany to like make him decide to be like into it to the point of like being as forward as he was in the car. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, that's what I'm not entirely sure about. Is it her her desire in that moment to please him even at the cost of doing something that was outside of her typical comfort zone? Because that mm. that's what's mm. happening that moment when it happens. But why is that the trigger? Like maybe what... he's maybe he like recognizes a performance and he's like, okay. Maybe this like, is going to be that. easier than trying for real to just disassociate and become Don Draper, man's man, man about town. <laughs> Ladies, man, man's man. <laughs> We've never really seen him try to have like romantic chemistry with someone he was like set up on a date with. It's always like random woman he encounters in the wild and is like must have. Yeah. Maybe it was too easy. Oh, well, <laughs> not now. So they're about to have a toward love affair. 
Yeah, I don't know if this necessarily bodes super well for me and Don and the rest of the season if he's going to be this dissoci- if he's going to disassociate and just like return back to mm. you know, secret Don but out in the open. Ooh. Yeah, so let's compare him flipping the switch um into his tar- charming full-powered Don personality in this day to when he does it with his second interview at the end of the episode because it's kind of the same thing like he makes this decision after all of the events of this episode it's like oh yeah you want the Don Draper performance like you will get it and then we see him at the end of the episode telling this like dramatic story about how he saved Sterling Cooper Draper Price Hmm. well is it like but that's that's interesting though right because it's not his decision. Like, he does agree to do it, so he does have some level of agency. Oh. But, like, the whole course of the episode is burnt largely as, like, the um, Emiratus chairman, father figure, the, our, our kind of long-term father figure, um, basically telling Don he fucked up, and Don, like realizing he fucked up and deciding to like turn that on with the wall street journal because of like the disastrous interview at the start of the episode so like yeah don does agree to do it so i i don't think don lacks complete agency in that situation but he's still like he's choosing to do what he's told to do see that's interesting i did not take it that way i totally see where you're coming from i took it as like um the people around him um, the people who he likes to act like are not smarter than him ever. Cooper, Sterling, like these are the people who are saying like, you should have done this better. Like you fucked up. And it's like at the beginning of the episode, he's kind of obstinate about it. He's like, you know, basically whatever happened, happened. You know, this is you know, this is it. I don't have to talk to reporters. I don't understand why this is necessary. And by the end of the episode, it really felt like Don was like. Uh, not willing to necessarily like admit that he fucked up to others, but to be like, all right, fine. Like you want it, you got it. I'm going to do it. But it's it, like, it just felt, and maybe that's just, I'm just like um, projecting like what I think about how Don Draper thinks mm-hmm. <laughs> onto the situation, but it definitely felt like he was doing it um, not out of spite, but out of that same type of like propulsive emotion. Like, yeah, I didn't fail. I don't fail. It's like when you're like, it's like how like outgoingness sometimes, like at least for me, can like perpetuate itself and become like sustainable. Where it's like, I I struggle with whether like Matt talk time. Let's let's all gather around the campfire. Um, <laughs> it's like. I really straddle the introvert extrovert thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And like when I'm in a good place and like, whatever, it's like the whole extrovert thing, putting myself out there can be more like sustained. And it like, it's like a, for lack of a better, more precise phrasing, it's like a high you can keep chasing. So I wonder how much of like Don Mm. turning himself Again, this sounds different than what I mean, but like Don turning himself on or t- turning on like the Don thing with Bethany at the date propels him into turning on the Don Draper persona to the nth degree with the second interview. Mm-hmm. 
Well, this like Don Draper performance is like a muscle. Mm hmm. And I'm sure like he has been he's been dealt some tough blows. Um, and I'm sure it feels good to flex that one thing he's good at, even if he's not necessarily like I I was I read his like first interview as like him being unwilling to like continue to flex that Don Draper storytelling because of the problems that had caused him. And I guess that doesn't really track all the way through the episode because it doesn't feel like um, he's moved through like whatever emotional uh, like trauma, for lack of a better term, is going to be left over from like Betty finding this out and leaving him because of it. But it does seem like he's finally like, I'm not going to not do it mm-hmm. <laughs> just because you found out about it and left me. Mm-hmm. It's almost like um like a not a. How do I put this? It's almost like a weirdly protective instinct or habit. Like you call it a muscle, but it's almost like muscle memory where you're like, I don't know how to do this thing, so I'm going to fall back into whatever I normally do. So, mm-hmm. um, ooh, like the way that he runs away. <laughs> yes, exactly. You're like, he probably does. I mean, I don't want to say he doesn't know he's doing it, but it's just like, you know, when I, when you, when you're going home at the end of a long day, I know that's a thing that some people haven't done in a while, but you know, at some point you mm-hmm. sort of like, at some point you just kind of like disassociate slightly and then you're like how did i get home and not kill anyone i don't at least yeah. that i'm aware yeah. of that i killed anyone you just suddenly were home whether whether you walked or drove or whatever um and in like on his date it's probably not going super well so he's just like there's only one thing to do is to keep this entertaining is to maybe like turn on the charm and try to sleep with her thanks don <laughs> um and I certainly don't think he's like processed or made any healthy choices in his mental state either because or for the interview, because right before he has that big old emotional blowout at the clients uh, for not being the clients that he expected them to be or was telling himself mm-hmm. they were, even though they were literally telling him what they wanted. And instead of being like, I'm going to learn from my lesson, I'm going to pay more attention, I'm going to like integrate my surroundings and my experiences better. He's just like, no, I'm going to show them. I know how to take control of things. I know that I'm like how to sell a product. So instead of trying to sell it to the clients, he's just going to like sell Don Draper, Mm -hmm. capital D, D uh, to the Wall Street Journal. It does feel like him going into that meeting and starting his story does feel a bit like gathering the resources. Yeah. I think it's just a lot of John Draper's not in a good place, as if he's in any other place ever. Don, why couldn't you be more like Henry? <laughs> well, yeah, no, no kidding. Oh, then, like, I guess that's like a, a good point where we can transition. So the whole idea, like, the episode starts in Don's earlier in the episode, I should say, Don's meeting with his lawyer and talking about the agreement with Betty leaving the house, and he's like reluctant to bring it up again and doesn't want to start World War Three, and you know doesn't want to be kind of inconvenient or doesn't want to start world war three. And then the minute, like near the end of the episode, he's inconvenienced by Betty where, where her and Henry aren't home on time. He chides Betty. And then it's like, boom, he wants them. He wants them out of the house. So I guess disrespect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. But it just shows how like, it's just like Don being petty again. Right. Like Mm -hmm. he was inconvenienced and like Betty even like, makes the point that like she's waited for him lots of times and like he's don's just like not hearing it and kind of lays into it but what like what i did like about the scene and why it's pinging in my mind now is you talk about the differences 
between Henry and Don is like the amount of like agency that Henry gives Betty in that situation when Don's like leave and he looks to Betty and she's like it's okay and he's like it's okay that I stay or it's okay that I leave and it's obviously mm-hmm. like to stay right so I did like that question from Henry uh yeah and then Henry gets like fully ready to square up he looks like he's gonna fight I love that <laughs> I love Henry he looks good too yeah, really, really good standing. He does some really good standing. John <laughs> Hamm has done some good standing in the show before, namely building a tree, a little playhouse. But Henry's, you know, building like a house, house, a home. If we, oh. if I may. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, and and Henry has no problems. I mean, he does have a slight problem, like living in another man's house. But his ego isn't like pushing him to push Betty to finally get out. He's just gently like, you know what? This situation isn't ideal and we really need to figure it out instead of you being petty with Don because Don is also not above being petty. Whenever this, I suppose that's like out of those three instances, the date, the the client meeting and this conversation with Betty, they're all instances of his ego being insulted in some way. And instead of him going, hey, maybe I should like earn people's respect and deal with this in an intel- emotionally intelligent and and careful way, I'm going to show them. I'm going to try to kick him out of the house. I'm going to show them that their um, dislike of my campaign is rude. I'm going to show this lady that she wants me. Mm-hmm. He is just... Such a fragile little man. <laughs> and I think we're going to, I mean, I assume we've already spent three seasons doing it. So I assume it's going to be another season of seeing how that, pl- of, yeah, of his, e- his bruised ego and him dealing with it poorly. Yeah. I definitely assume that's going to be the thing. <laughs> Speaking of what else are you looking forward to in this season? Melissa, as our as our fresh faced member, yeah. Um, so I'm really interested in because Betty was back on her bullshit in this episode, uh, for lack of a kinder turn of phrase. Um, but I am really curious because we've mentioned like that Henry allows Betty a different level of agency, and he also calls her out in a very like direct, but like respectful of her like intelligence type of way so i'm just wondering what type of superwoman betty could turn into with like a real support system like not her parents because we know how they treated her and how they um set her up to move through the world and like not how don treated her because we've witnessed that for three seasons but like how will she what who will she be like how powerful can she get with like someone who truly loves and trusts and respects her like in her corner so i'm really excited about that i'm really excited about where is ken cosgrove because (laughs) i looked at the imdb and it's not like he's off the show so hopefully we'll see him next episode (laughs) and to be honest i'm kind of excited about pete because I liked him in this episode. I yeah. thought he was thriving a little bit. I know that people like him, and I'm just like curious and excited about seeing maybe that happen. Maybe not, but maybe. Yeah. I had really conflicted feelings, but I think we talked about that before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think there will ever not be conflicting Pete feelings. 
pretty much yeah. till the end of time. Yeah. I agree. Tales all this time, song as old as rhyme. Conflicted Peter Campbell feelings. I I couldn't make it wet. Too many syllables. Too many syllables. Sorry, everyone. So, bits and bobs. Bits and bobs. bobs. Yeah. Okay. So every level, every level, every line of dialogue um, from Roger in this episode is like number a thousand terrible. Deeply. Completely like, they terrible. They literally were like, Roger doesn't have a personality at all anymore other than saying shit that you wish that he wouldn't. Yeah, and that I feel like that's like the most like last decade sort of like thing about the episode where it's like, he's terrible. He says the things, but you love him anyways. He's so fun. Do we like, though? We, I mean, Do we don't, we? but I think the episode wants us to. I don't know. Definitely in 2009, they were they probably thought it was more charming. I mean, this is the guy they eventually hired to be Howard Stark. And I feel like... Fair enough. Remembering Dom Cooper's Howard Stark. Yeah, it checks out. Um, so there's a transition in this episode that I want to call out just because we talk about it a lot on my other podcast, which is... Um, there's one scene where Don is closing the door to Roger's office and then th- when the door opens it's like Peggy opening the door to Pete's office and I just like love when that happens <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, okay I have one more um, Harry Crane telling Joan all his secrets I just love Joan being like everyone's conspirator in the office like, they can come to her office, they can tell her their secrets, and when they're like, don't tell anybody, she's, like, not offended that they don't trust her. She's like, oh, I wouldn't tell, I'm not going to tell anybody even after it's aired. She's just, like, so perfect and charming. And this doesn't work <laughs> out for Harry in the end, but I love this scene. <laughs> she is, one, I always think it's hilarious because of how much you disliked her at the beginning. Oh, and yeah, I mean, Matt and I were just seasons, like, I wasn't telling her any of my secrets. And we were just like, don't, don't, don't say it. Don't like tell her that she's going to love her. Just let her come to it. Because <laughs> it's going to happen and it'll be great. And we'll just like, she'll realize that why she's carrying that pen around her neck is so she could write down everyone's secrets because she's a real power here. She just chooses she not is. to enforce it. She is. And I love her. Uh, she just really activates. I know we've talked about this before, but like. One of my favorite, like, a song of Ice and Fire slash Game of Thrones characters is Cersei Lannister, and, like, I think Joan's a nicer person than Cersei, but, like, it just pushes the same sort of buttons in me, and it's just, like, women who are competent and talented and intelligent and are just, like, limited by the fucking patriarchy, and it's just, like, yeah. Deeply mm-hmm. underestimated. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Oh, man. Um, but I, to just to get back to um, Bethany and privileged white women, which admittedly Joan is in many ways, too. Uh, and that's why she's pro- I mean, honestly, I could just also see Joan being one of those people like, oh, I just keep myself above all that stuff. Anyways, I have so many other things to worry about um, it being the 60s and um a time of civil rights. You have Bethany, who's a young person, and so is aware of things that are going on in the world. And civil rights is not 
going to escape her, but she also says this thing that I did really dislike. Um, yeah. Not that because it's an inaccurate statement. It's unfortunately a statement that many people of similar privilege and even a little less, uh, I, I hear people say where she's just like, oh, is this the price of change? She's referring to um, uh, the friend of a friend uh, being murdered. Um, it's a refer reference to the murders of Cheney Goodman and Schwerner, uh, two white civil rights activists and one black civil rights activist who were basically kidnapped by the cops and then uh, murdered by the cops and the KKK. Uh, funny how those two often seem aligned sometimes, isn't it? But um, yeah, it just, it's, and I've mentioned it before and I know I'm going to mention it again, but I get really frustrated sometimes or often or really every week about how they'll name check certain things and you know not commenting on them or which which does happen which happens i know people come and things and just live their lives as if because they have the privilege of it not affecting them and i am among these people but i just feel like the show really has an imbalance of presenting the people who like are indifferent or just actively are against um certain change or bringing up diversity of experience mm -hmm. because like spoiler they were brown people in this country at this time trying to just live mm -hmm. an equal existence but they don't get any representation they don't get acknowledged instead we just like if anyone does try to acknowledge them it's either like the biggest deal ever or they're portrayed as some kind of fool. Like Kinsey, when he went down with the other protesters and they're just like, oh, wacky hipster at it again. And I just, in many ways, that line where she's like, the price of change is a good line in that it very perfectly exemplifies how pe some people are like, oh, these people got murdered. It's the price of change. Is it really worth it? As if somehow they like purposely got themselves murdered as some kind of martyrs to try to affect some change as opposed to like hey if this didn't happen if we just kind of let things stay the way they are then we won't have these murders and then everything will be okay it's just the the victim blaming is shocking shock i mean it shouldn't be shocking because again still <clears throat> happens but ugh. Ugh. grumble yeah. grumble that's kind of all i got <laughs> Yeah, and I think that covers it. I mean, we've talked at length about how poorly this show does connect um, real-life social justice issues to its characters in any meaningful way other than to be like, see, look at the era. Here we are. Like, And that's just not it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't. It's almost as, as if it's saying like, oh, it wasn't really that important. And I swear I love this show. I actually love yeah. it and enjoy it. But like, uh, I mean, the whole this whole show, the whole point, our own podcast, the whole point of this podcast. Oh, my God. Please cut it. All the repeating. I mean, the whole point of this podcast really is to just see how differently we view it now in 2020, 2021 versus in 2009 when this episode first aired. And it is so stark, really. And how much and how little has changed since then since this show aired and and what you see now getting more widely distributed and acclaimed on that lively note 
Yeah, did we do it? I think, I think we, we did, did a podcast. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next time, Annie, where can folks find more of you on the internet? Uh, well, uh, if you want more of my super exciting diatribes, you can also find me on The Daily Nightly, a Jane Austen podcast with our very dear friend, Jesse. We're currently reading through Mansfield Park, which has been such a mind trip for two Austen fans <laughs> who haven't read Mansfield Park. Um, and so we hope you guys will join us on that little journey. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Pop Artery. Great. And Melissa, what about you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Mellow Yellow, which is M-E-L-L-O-Yellow. Or you can find me co-hosting the Wild Pretty Things podcast. We just released an episode um, digging deep into Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me. So if you're up for a very weird time, then you can do that with us over there. Wait, have you seen Twin Peaks the series or have you just watched the movie? I have seen Twin Peaks the series, but I would say that I have a passing understanding. Okay. <laughs> awesome. I will have to check that out. And you can find me and uh, with one of our friends of the show, Elise, on our new Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast, The Pod Race. We're starting to work our way through Star Trek Deep Space Nine. You can email all of us together at stillgreatbob at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at, at stillgreatpod. And uh, please rate, rate and review the show on the podcasting system of your choice. And as always, thanks you to DJ and Pericle for our very groovy theme song. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Later days. It only took us a few days to a week. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>